All right, you ready for today? <laughs> I don't know how many of you are fasting or what you are fasting. Somebody told me today they were fasting Facebook, and they were just talking about uh, how they were addicted to Facebook. And then she said something very true. She goes, we all are. And it made me laugh because she's right. She's not wrong, right? And she just said, I mean, if you're a different generation, like none of you use Facebook, right? Okay, for old people, oh, three or four of you? Okay, well, most, okay. She was just saying it's the first thing she did every morning. And she just realizes now how it was just something that she did, just was habit, it was a, an addiction, and she's glad she's broken that. So praise God for that. Uh, and, and please, as, you, as Pastor Jerry mentioned in the video tomorrow, or Nick tomorrow, next week, uh, we, thank you, Jeremy, yes, we will be celebrating as, as a church. We'll be, it'll be a lot of worship, and we will be celebrating things that God has done. And, and I want to I say this about that. I've had some people say, I've been praying, and I've never prayed like this in my life. I'm like, oh, good. And here's what they said. And I appreciate the, their honesty. Like, nothing's happened. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? Well, no big thing has happened. I'm like, okay. And they're like, but I'm way closer to God than I've ever been in my whole life. And I just stood there for a second, and then they're like, that's, that's actually a really big thing. Like, that's the biggest thing. That's more important than anything. You know what? That's, that's everything. That's the goal. That is it. So if you are part, you know, and, and it's never too late. There's a whole week left, you know. Um, again, I mean, there's some people that are fasting all food. Wonderful. Some are just a meal or two, whatever. That's not the point. What, what is not as big a deal as why? Isn't that true for all of life? I, I kid along, around with students all the time. It's so easy. I'll do this. I'll just say, so when your, your mom tells you to do something and you ask why, what does she say? Because I said so. And who likes hearing that? <laughs> They're all like, no one. All right, nobody likes that, right? Nobody likes that. You don't like it. Nobody likes it. And that's why I think the why is so, more, so much more important than the what sometimes. We always need to know the why before the what. And knowing the why helps you do the what. So that's the point of fasting is the what is up to you. But the why is number one for you to be closer to God, for you to develop your relationship in a deeper, more meaningful way than you ever have before. Number one. Now, yes, pray for breakthrough. There may be things in your life or somebody you know who, who needs something radically different. Pray for that. God does answer those things. He does. And then the third thing, I just believe, and I've, I was talking to some minister friends of mine recently and just telling them, of course, I've always shared my faith and always told people to share their faith and always preach that, but I, I sense that God is doing a new thing. And I would love if it's just like what's happening in our youth department, as Pastor Jeremy mentioned, and uh, young people coming to Christ, and that spurs all of us again, just like many. I don't know if you realize that most revivals in history were started in young people. Do you guys know that? Most of them. Most. So, God, yes, let's do it. All right, let's talk about today. You ready? Who likes to surrender? No, really. Who likes to give up? Any quitters in the house? Nobody likes that, right? Nobody likes a quitter. You don't like somebody to point out to you that you gave in. How many in an argument like to lose? No, really. Like, you're talking to somebody and they, they're right. What do you do? You know they're right. What's your strategy, you know? It's funny because when I get to do premarital counseling with a couple, we always talk about conflict management because that's such a huge thing in marriage. And how do you resolve conflict, right? 
And it's comical to me how God does this with people. I will always ask people, okay, which of you in the relationship is more the pursuer? Like if there's something, you want to fix it. You want to get it done. And you're, you can't wait. You, I need to talk about this now. Usually there's one. And then I'll say, well, which one of you is the one who's kind of more passive and you'll be the one avoiding conflict? And there's usually one. And they're usually attracted to each other. So you see the problem here, right? So then the pursuer tries to solve it and the, the, the one who's more passive withdraws, goes away and they just keep doing this and nothing gets solved. But what do you do when you find out or you realize they were right and you were wrong? Nobody likes that. Nobody wants to say, okay, you're right, I'm sorry, I was a jerk, I mean, I'm, you know, right? I mean, if you would, things might change. But nobody likes that. Nobody wants to be defeated now, if we're talking about like surrender in, in battle terms, uh, usually what happens, and we don't usually do this in relationships, but usually there has to be some type of formal surrender. And so think about military for a minute, formal military surrender. So usually the head of state would be involved or the lead commander or general or military officer of some kind. And then there's going to be physical terms of surrender. And most of us who've taken American history or any type of history, you're familiar with some of these things. And usually what happens is in the terms of surrender, there will be things covered like giving up arms, surrendering arms, your weapons of war. So you don't fight anymore, right? And there's going to be other things. You're going to have to give up, in some cases, territory, maybe territory you conquered. And probably the most famous conflict happening in our world today with Ukraine and Russia you know, Ukraine is saying, we want all of our property back that you took, including Crimea, which they took like 14 years ago. Sometimes it's giving back prisoners of war. And that's very common. And then in some cases, it's paying reparations, paying for the damages that the other country inflicted, especially if it's clear that one country was the major aggressor. Now, there's some very famous surrenders of our own, in our own country that we probably grew up seeing, you've probably all seen maybe the painting or heard about or remember when in the Revolutionary War when General Cornwallis from the British surrendered to uh, Washington. It's hard to imagine how humiliating that had to be for them, if you think about it. We were just a colony of hundreds of theirs. They had a ton. Has anybody ever been like the Tower of London and, and gone through their museum? Anybody been to England and done that? I remember going there the first time and... Um, and in there, they've got this huge room with, with like a memorial kind of plaque thing to all the colonies that they had at one time. And so I am that guy sometimes. I walked up to the, I walked up to the curator in there. I said, so where's the U.S., you know, the American one? You know, and she's like, what do you, I just want to see it because it's just comical. Yeah, I didn't say that. I, just to me it was, right? Because here we are, you know, 200 years later. And uh, just a whole nother deal. But anyway, that had to be embarrassing. But I, I, I just did a little research on some surrenders because it's just fascinating. I don't know how much study you've done on the Civil War. I've known people who were way into it, like they had the little models with the battles. And I'm not like that. But maybe you are aware that it was the most devastating to human life conflict the U.S. has ever been in. It makes sense, right? Because we're fighting ourselves. So it's not like us fighting somebody else. Casualties are all ours on both sides. I don't know if you've thought about this ever, but it's incredible. They say that nearly as many men died in captivity during the Civil War as were killed in the whole Vietnam War. 
That's over 55,000 people died just in captivity. Hundreds of thousands died of disease. Roughly 2% of the U.S. population at the time. So if you're going to extrapolate that over to current U.S. population, that would be about 6 million people. They estimate, and they have to do estimates because they didn't know all the time how, what happened to everybody, but at least 620,000 men died, at least. Estimates go as high, and they say it's reasonable to think it could have been as many as 850,000. This is mind-blowing to me. If you took the larger estimate, actually, even if you took the 600,000 estimate, you would only have to add 25,000 to that to total all deaths of Americans in every other conflict since. Can you imagine? World War II, World War I, um, Vietnam, Korea, the American Revolution, the War of 1812, the Mexican-American War, the Iraq-Afghanistan conflict, Spanish-American War, and the Gulf War. You add up all the dead from those wars, and it's just a little more than the Civil War alone. How do you surrender from that? Here's what happened. On April 9th, 1865, General Robert E. Lee and his Confederate troops were surrounded by federal troops on all sides. And they were losing horribly. Let me... This, I wasn't going to share this stat because it's, it's just mind-blowing. The North actually lost more men, but they had more men in conflict. They lost a, 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 not a lot more, but a few more men, like 100,000 more. But the South... 83% of the southern soldiers who fought died. 83%. It's mind-blowing. It, those numbers are so big, it's hard to get your mind around the loss of life, isn't it? Do you know how many people live here in the Lee Summit area? It's just over like 300,000. I mean, it's not. I'm just saying, when you start to think of the, the humanity... So here's what happened, is they were completely surrounded. So generally decided to surrender because this was it. This was the last stand for them, and they were done. Grant's terms of, of surrender were famous, famously lenient. He allowed the Confederate officers to keep their horses and sidearms. They had to turn in their swords and long guns. They allowed the soldiers to return home on parole with assurance they would not be prosecuted for treason unless they took up arms again. And then Grant sent rations from the Union Army to the surrendered troops. World War II, Japan surrendered on the deck of the USS Missouri. I think I have a picture up there of, of this. They were required to surrender unconditionally. The terms were unconditional surrender or prompt and utter destruction. Japan agreed to the terms, and then the United States rebuilt their country. And as most of you know, I mean, they're one of our most loyal allies now and incredibly wealthy but still no one likes to surrender right i mean what does it take to surrender when you've given everything to something i mean what does it take to surrender when you really think you're right or how do you do that it comes down to these kind of things it's kind of like change and you've probably heard this definition before people do not change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing to surrender means I've got to give up everything and it's actually somehow less painful to surrender. Nobody wants to surrender. Nobody likes it. You're giving up. You're giving in. You're capitulating. You're, 
It's a failure. You've been defeated. I know how harsh this sounds to most of our human minds. God requires total surrender. (laughs) A lot of you said amen, and I expected that, because you've already surrendered. I get it. Once you've already surrendered, you realize it's actually a good thing. But unless you've actually surrendered to him, it's offensive to say he demands total surrender. Most human beings step back and say, well, wait a minute. I've got me, mine, my space, my person. Don't I matter? Yeah, you do. When he says total surrender, though, it offends us as humans. We're offended by that. I say this almost every week, and I wasn't even going to say it this week, but I'm saying it again. It all goes back to the garden. Do you realize this? When God said to them, you can have anything in here except this one tree. He was telling them total surrender. Surrender, but look what he was saying. One thing, but you get everything else. But our humanness, we say, but I want the one thing. I want the one thing too. Total surrender. There are examples of partial surrenders in history. Some of them haven't worked out well. There's this story, I tried to chase it down. I've heard the story so many times that a lot of commentators, a lot of historians say that it was probably true in a lot of places. But one of the truths, one of the stories I read was Constantine, when he became a Christian in around the year 300, he became emperor in 325, he decided to, to get the, the irony of this. He wanted to turn his whole army into Christians. So in his mind, all that meant was baptizing them, Right? Now, those of you who are Christians, you know, just going underwater, doesn't make, that doesn't make your heart changed. But he thought it did. I mean, he just, it's like he didn't get the whole picture. So what would happen a lot of times is soldiers would be baptized, but they'd keep their sword arm out of the water. Because they didn't want to completely surrender and be nice to everyone. Like, I mean, it sounds corny, but like, and this is way corny. But has anybody, ever, has anybody seen yet the new preview for the new Guardians of the Galaxy? And is it Drax, that big monster dude? And he's like, oh, we're going to go kill people. And then what's the hero guy, the Star-Lord? Star-Lord guy goes, no, we're not killing people. He goes, one person. He goes, no, nobody. And he goes, even one guy who's really annoying? (laughs) That's not total surrender. You get it? But here's the irony. We all hold something out of the water, don't we? We all do. Even those of you who said, yes, total surrender, but... I'll bet you somewhere in your heart and mind there's something that you're holding back because we're just human and total surrender. We want to hold things back and there's things in our lives we just don't want to give up. Now with God, it's different. It's not like he's just a superior force that has overwhelmed us militarily and we have no choice. That's not it. With God, it's different. He comes to us and he says, I'm asking you to give up everything for actually good things. He's not putting us in prison. He's not, he's not jailing us. He's not keeping things from us. But just like even the garden, that's what she thought. And as humans, we think that. We think if I give everything to God, I'm not going to be as happy as I would be if I had everything I want. How many of you have been around a toddler? They want things, right? And not everything they want is good. Sometimes they just want it because the other toddler has it. And they don't even want it. And then they get it and they're like, 
As soon as they get it, they just put it down because they didn't even want it. We're just broken inside deep. He's like, he's like a loving parent who actually knows what's best. Now, look, I know what it's like to be a high school student and a middle school student. And I know what it's like to, to try to reason with my mom who will listen to this. And mom, you're a wonderful mom. She's the best mom ever. I can't even tell you. Because I look back and think, what, what a... Trying to use the right words that don't sound mean. But it, I'm talking about me. I was ignorant. I was selfish. I didn't even know. And I'd say, my friends are doing this. And she's like, well, but you're, you don't get... What do your parents say? <laughs> you don't get to do everything your friends do. What if, if, what if they jumped off a cliff, right? You get all, Remember all that? But you know what? She was right every time. Why? Because she was older. She'd lived life already. She saw from a different perspective. I think about it. It's like, it's like I, I haven't seen a lot of these around here, but they used to have these maze things. You could go and pay to go through a maze. And at some point, you could go up to like a tower. And then you kind of get perspective again. And you can see which way the maze goes. And you're like, oh, we were over there. We need to go this way now. Then you get back in the maze and you're like, mm. I was just up there. And now I don't know where I'm going again. But God is like that for us. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows where the destination is. He knows where the pitfalls are. He's trying to protect you and we don't know. And yet we are drawn by things we think will satisfy. And then ultimately they don't, but we don't see it ahead of time. Surrender to Jesus is actually the best thing. Surrender to him is actually life that you couldn't have before. And our world is, they don't get it. Of course they don't. And what do they do? Every advertisement is basically trying to manipulate us into buying something or getting something that they say will satisfy and make you happy and get you the girl and look how happy they are. If you just drink this thing or do this thing or buy this or use this aftershave or... Right? Anybody remember high karate? (laughs) I know, that's going back a ways. For some of you young people, it might be like Axe like five years ago where if you spray this on, the girls just flock to you. Oh, God. Why do we do it? Because we're desperate for fulfillment that we think we can get ourselves when God himself, the one who actually created us, he knows what's best, has for us, but you have to surrender to get it. We hold so tightly on the things that ultimately will not satisfy. They don't. They don't do what they say they'll do. And ultimately, you can't keep them anyway. They have no real meaning. You cannot hold on to them anyway. They rust. They corrode. Some of the guys, we went to the fishing expo yesterday. It's fun. You just see tons of lures you don't probably need. Roger, you thought about you a million times. Roger's a bass pro. And I ask him, you know, you, every, everybody wants to know the best lure. And he's like, well, the one you think will work. Because you'll use it right. And you'll use it more. And he also says lures are made to catch fishermen. So true. So true. But you're walking around these boats that are, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then as we were driving back together, one of the guys pointed out, hey, look at that boat. Someone had just abandoned a boat, like on 291, up on the, it's just sitting there. At some time, that was somebody's treasure. Do you realize that? At some time, that, tr- that was a treasure for somebody. <laughs> Maybe I'm taking this analogy too far, but I'm just thinking, I'll bet you some guy fought with his wife over that. Because he didn't need it. 
And she kept saying, but if you spend money on that, we want money for this, but I want that. And if I have that, I'll be happy. And he probably bought it. And he probably made his wife at home unhappy. And now it's trash. Sitting on the side of the road. Just abandoned. We do that with things. Jesus in Matthew 16 tells his disciples. If any of you wants to be my follower. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Anything. Can't we just be a junior disciple? Half disciple? Disciple when it's convenient? Maybe a disciple, a follower when I want to. That's not it. That's not what he says. You know what it reminds me of? Those of you who've had little kids, someday you guys will know this illustration. And I hope you remember this day. How many of you had a baby who needs to go to sleep, but they're fighting sleep? Do you remember that? Oh, it's the worst. And they're just squirming and crying, and they just are not consolable. And you're holding them and you're like, if you would just relax, you'd be so happy. I would be so happy. Right? And you know if they would just give in to sleep, but they're fighting it. I remember we were at a doctor one time and she's like, yeah, they've got all this nervous energy. They need to cry it out. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want that. (laughs) Then they'd say, well, they're probably overstimulated. And, you know, I remember like, what could that possibly mean to a baby? Too much light, too much sound, too many things happening. You know, make sure you're in the dark. Don't go get them out of bed in the crib and try not to touch them. Try not to, I'm like, oh my God, will you just sleep? Right? Yeah. He's got five kids, he knows. If they would just relax in your arms, right? You love them more than you loved anything ever. Remember? You remember what I'm talking about? And you're just telling them, please, please, please sleep. And they would find the satisfaction that they need. And they would be comforted and they would rest. And we're just like that. And we push and squirm and we fight. And we're burdened under these weights and we carry these sorrows and we carry these heavy worries and we're tired and we're besieged and we're attacked. And what we're really fighting is what God wants to give us and that's Life eternal forever. What do you need to surrender? Let's just get personal now. What is it for you? I guarantee you everybody in the room has something to surrender. Some maybe more. There's some who maybe need to surrender your whole life to him now. And you've never done that. And today could be your day. Today should be your day. If I was in charge, it would be your day. But that's it. I'm never in charge. You are. We are all in charge of us. That's what God does, and there's a beauty in that, that he, he doesn't coerce or force. He gives us every opportunity, and he orchestrates times. Maybe you being here today is just a way of him saying, here's a chance, my child, for you to give in to this rest that I promise you that you will rest in and you will love. If you will give it up and let me, let me be the answer. 
This may sound crazy to some of you, but some of us are holding on to sin. And sin is one of those words. I know, I know our modern world doesn't want to talk about sin. Nothing's wrong, right? I mean, I, I can do whatever I want. And it's only sin if I don't like it or if, if maybe you did it to me or if you didn't do it to me when I wanted you to do it to me or whatever they say. But the raw bottom line is they're not in charge of what's right and wrong. I know for some of us, sin is like, but I'm better than them or I'm better than her or him or better than I used to be. That's not the standard. See, it's total surrender again. Total. What is it about sin? You know what it is? It's pleasurable, right? Scripture says it's, it's fun for a season, then it runs out. Or it's fun for a season and then you're addicted and then you need more. It's all a lie. It's all false promises anyway. It's not the real thing. Someone once said, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. For some of us, you're holding to an identity that wasn't God's identity for you. But for whatever reason, maybe you thought it was cool or you, were, you felt like maybe pressured in by society or some identity or something that you think, I have to be this thing, isn't who God made you to be. He's the ultimate creator, and he made you how he wanted to make you, special, beautiful. I love the variety of God. I love his creativity. I do. I could, I could stare at it all day long. I'm weird, I know. Some of you like to watch people like me, but I'm just fascinated by it all. Psalm 139, he says, the psalmist David in this case says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I want you to really grasp this this morning. Your workmanship is marvelous. You're his workmanship. And the way he made you and designed you is marvelous. Your personality, those quirky things you do, your size, your shape, your face, your he made you like that. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. I remember those old sonograms. You remember those? Somebody would be so excited and show you a picture. Look at my baby. You're like, okay. I'm excited too. It's a boy. Yay. It's hard to tell. Have you seen the new ones? Oh my goodness. We, got, we had a 3D with Lily. She's, she's 18. So 18 years ago, they, they had the 3D ones, you know. But with Lily, she kept hiding behind like the placenta or whatever. You could see her, but not. I, I, I know I already shared this, but one of my students who graduated last year, I went to her grad party and in her one of her baby books, ah, they had a new, one of the new 3D ones, and then her born. Like, it was her expression on her face. What's cool is the 3D one is the same smile she had as an 18-year-old high school student. And you're looking at that, and you're like, wow, God made you like that then. That smile that is her signature, I know it sounds weird, it's her face. I mean, you get what I mean? You know, some people, they just have one of those smiles. And she had it in the womb. It was mind-blowing. 
It was cool, too. I was kind of making a big deal about it, and everybody comes over, and like, no one had seen. And, you know, they just had a bunch of books, and I just happened to open it like, oh, my gosh. And I wonder what we're fighting today. What do you need to, to, what do you need to surrender? If I could have the team join me up here. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that you feel like you did and you just can't give. You, maybe, you, maybe you don't think God can forgive you or change you. And you're holding on to that. And he's just saying, if you would just let that go and come to me, we would have a relationship. Maybe it's some idea the world has. Or maybe, maybe it's even your politics. Maybe it's a, a reputation or just... The need to control. Maybe it's pride itself. In, a, in maybe a, a position or a name or maybe it's your wallet. I mean, for some people, it's just that. Maybe it's anger or resentment that you feel like you deserve to hold because what happened to you or what was done to you was so egregious, so wrong, so unfair that God would tell you today you're not wrong. But if you'll give that to me, I'll heal that hurt place in you and you will be free. You will be free. I saw someone write this last week on social media. Unforgiveness is like grabbing a hot coal to throw at somebody. Maybe it's an offense. Maybe you're offended at the church or someone here. Maybe it's just having to always be right. Always be right. Here's the beauty of it. You give up and you win. Doesn't sound like that, does it? You surrender and you win. And I know this is a big reach for maybe some people, but you surrender and God rebuilds your life in a way that it was meant to be. It will be more satisfying. It will be more beautiful. He satisfies and, and actually satiates the longings that you are trying to fill. That you can never feel anyway, but he does it. His presence literally pales everything else in comparison. Just knowing him and having that peace of mind and the sense of freedom that, that being forgiven gives. There's nothing like it. I think for some of us, we don't want to surrender because... Maybe you don't see the need to surrender, but hopefully this morning you have. Maybe you feel like you've got it all together and you can handle it. But can you really do it without him? I can't. Let me tell you, these, there's been some choruses ringing in my head the last two weeks. And um, I had... I had toyed with the idea of singing them together but I, I think it'd be more powerful if you just listen to the words separated some of you know these tunes so I want you to just listen to what these songs say there's something about singing a song and you've seen certain words like the ones we sang this morning that you're giving God praise it's almost like you're giving him praise and sometimes you don't mean it yet it's like you get into the words and you're saying them and then you mean it I want you to think about these Maybe you don't realize you need him, but I, I promise you, you do. Here's one of them. Every hour, 
I need thee every hour. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. When you recognize you need him, you come to him. Listen to this one. I need you more, more than yesterday. Have you realized that yet? I need him more, more than yesterday. I need him more, more than even my words can say. I can't even express my need for him. It's so great. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to you. Oh, I got, I read the wrong one there. I need you more, more than ever before. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need him. Do you need him like that? I need him physically. I need him spiritually. I need him in my social life. I need him in my relationships. I need him in, in my marriage. I need him with my kids and my parenting. I need him in my in, in schoolwork. I need him at work. I need him as I walk through this world. It's almost like the words help us acknowledge our reliance on God that we didn't realize how bad we needed to surrender. The classic in this is a song. It's called I Surrender All. I'm going to ask you this morning if you realize yet that you need to surrender all. And this goes to everyone in the room, everyone watching online. You need to surrender all. Are you ready to do it? Listen to this song. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. It doesn't count if you don't give it freely. You have to give it. He doesn't force it. You have to freely give it. But if you choose to do this, I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Now the chorus goes, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Listen to verse 2. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me, Savior, holy thine. Let me feel thy Holy Spirit truly know that thou art mine. And verse 3, all to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. If you would do that this morning, you would feel kind of a weight come off of you. And if you've held that baby that fights sleep, when they finally give in, and they just, and you're like, thank you, Jesus. I will hold you till my arms fall off. If you know, you know the ache of holding that child and not wanting to move because they're finally asleep. The pressure's off to perform, to achieve, to be perfect, to have all the answers, to be the best, to know it all, to hide what you're hiding. You actually don't lose anything and you gain everything. Somebody might say, well, wait a minute, how can I lose and yet gain? Here's what happens. Whatever God gives back, you're the manager now, and he's the owner. This may be news. You didn't actually own it anyway. I read this this week. It blew me away. It said, well done, my head good, or head, had all these crossed out. Well done, my good parent, wife, child, student, bank account. <laughs> it's good, good and faithful servant. That's what he wants. 
I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a second. I don't know what you need to surrender, and I don't even need to know. It's not about me and you. It's about you and God, you and him. In a room like this, no idea. Hundreds of us, hundreds of things. For some of you, it might be something small, but I guarantee you God has probably been whispering in your ear somehow, or you just have an impression, you probably know. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You know. For some of you, it may be big, maybe huge. For some of you, like I said, it might be your whole life that you've never given it to him. So I'm going to ask a couple questions. I, just, I, want, I ask for you to shut your eyes just to give a sense of kind of quiet in a room full of people. And, you know, but I'm going to ask, if there's anybody in this room this morning, you realize you need to surrender all to him. Might be the first time, might be a re-surrender, but you need to surrender all. For you, you're giving your life to him. Anybody like that at all? And we would just pray with you. I do see the hand. I appreciate that honesty. See that one too? And that one. And that one. Anybody else? Before we move on, I want to pray with everybody in the room, but especially the four or five of you just raise your hands. This is a big deal. And when you surrender to him, he doesn't leave you. He, he is all with you. What it means is that you're, you're surrendering your life to him and then he gives you a brand new life. Changes your heart, your mind, your desires and he helps you to live that life with him. So if you raise your hand and, and even if you didn't, I'd just like all of us to repeat this prayer. Basically, we're just gonna ask God to forgive us. We're gonna ask him to change us. We're gonna tell him we need that forgiveness to make us different. That's what we're gonna do. So if you just repeat out of me, after me, everybody in the room, Father God, I'm sorry for what I've done that was wrong. I surrender to you my life today. Come in, make me new, change me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that and you meant that, you're a Christian today. Your life is different. Doesn't mean it's perfect, but it is different. So we want to talk to you. You know, if you're a student, want to talk to Pastor Jeremy, or you want to talk to one of us other pastors or a Christian you know, please do that before you leave. I want to do this with the rest of you all. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to stand with me. I'm going to ask you to do something a little different. We don't, I don't know that I've ever done this per se, but... This is not a pressure thing. It's between you and God. But I'm going to ask you to do this. If you feel like there's something you do need to surrender, whatever it is, I'm just going to ask you to come as the worship team leads us. Come up to the front here, and I just want you to tell between you and God, whatever it is. Now, if you want special prayer, we certainly will pray with you. But this is for everybody who wants to just say visibly, yes, I need to surrender. So if that is you, as they sing, I just want you to come up here and we will have a closing prayer in a moment. So if that is you, just come forward and just visibly say, I need to surrender. I surrender all Oh, I surrender all 
to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. And all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Oh, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. God, we stand here before you as people who know that we need you deeply, that we need you from, from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed. God, I need you. We need you more and more and more every single day. And I pray in the name of Jesus that as we stand before you in this act of surrender, God, you know what we need to give up, and I pray that you would help us to do that. And I pray that as we do that, you would make us brand new. And that as you promised that you would replace that with things that we had never even imagined, better things that we couldn't even, even conceptualize. And we give you praise and glory for that. And I pray as we head out of this room today that every single person would live in a state of freedom in front of you, in a state of freedom that they had never even managed, uh, imagined before. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, we are here for you. Man, God bless you. Have a wonderful day.